Hey guys, welcome to From Our 20s. Our goal in this podcast is to have a conversation around topics that we in our 20s are going through. We have realized that we often can feel like we're the only ones going through whatever the situation or feeling may be, and navigating life can be super difficult. But we believe it helps so much to be able to relate and know we aren't the only ones. I truly believe we are all a lot more alike than we are different, and there is hope, especially with faith. Thanks for joining us. Let's jump into this week's episode of From Our 20s. Well, Chris, we're excited to have you on From Our 20s uh, for our listeners. We have Chris Schaefer with us. This is Casey and I's old RA from Liberty, the OG6 crew back together. Um, sure. Dude, you've been such a staple in my life, um, at Liberty especially, for just bringing my faith together. We were in a fight club together that freshman year, mm. and that was huge for me. Like, you knocked down a lot of pride in me, and, and you led by example, and I am forever grateful for that. I don't know if I ever really told you that, but I'm just mm. so thankful for um, having you in my life and meeting me where I was at at that time in my life, so... Yeah, just happy to have God, you on dude. the podcast, man. Dude, happy to be here, man. That that's so encouraging to hear. Um, yeah. yeah, so so happy to be here. Yeah. So I kind of want you. I mean, I, you maybe know a little bit about the podcast. We've kind of had the big theme around what do we do in our twenties? Like we get out of college, we're in life now. It's a big transition. You know, we're used mm-hmm. to being in school our whole life. Everything's pretty scheduled, structured. You know, got our parents around the corner. Now we're free on our own and it's kind of like daunting a little bit. Like Casey and I figured out that this is just, it's different. And so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of challenges. And so I guess to start, if you just want to explain a little bit of your backstory, um, maybe why you went to Liberty, what kind of brought you to where you are now, and then we'll just kind of go from there. Yeah, for sure. Um, And and I'll add as context kind of beforehand, um, you know, that in your twenties, um, life decisions, goals, changes, jumps, um, seem so much bigger, um, nowadays. And, you know, to which previous generations go, oh, you're just soft, which part of that fair. Um, but I also, (laughs) I also think that what you guys are doing here is so important because, um, human experience has now been portrayed online, um, rather than lived out. And so bringing like a humble, <laughs> re- like real understanding of what it's like to be a 20 year old and, and make some, you know, decisions and some mistakes, uh, is pretty cool. So, um, I'm just, I'm, I, I've been really a big fan of the podcast. Uh, I'll say that first thing. Awesome. Um, yeah. So what, you know, a little bit of who I am, um, uh, grew up in Williamsburg, Virginia, a big, massive, massive family, um, I'm one of six kids, um, you know, grew up in a little 1900 square foot house with two Dang. Labrador, with two Labrador retrievers. So like living in every inch, you know what I'm saying? Everyone shared oh, yeah. a room. Um, I shared a room with my four sisters and little brother, all of us in one bathroom. Um, so I was well prepared for marriage in that regard. <laughs> um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, I mean, most of my mom's side of the family was in Williamsburg. Um, you know, I had six cousins that lived in the neighborhood with us. So we were like those people that just rolled into a Wendy's and like dominated the whole thing. And, and uh, <laughs> I love that. Oh, oh yeah, just just chaos all the time. Um, 
And uh, I, I was, you know, the oldest grandson, and I very quickly um, assumed um, the identity of, of, like, oldest grandson, loudest in the room. Um, if you meet my family, like, we are just all loud. We all run a million miles an hour. Um, we move right into confrontation. Like, there's no, <laughs> there's no skirting anything. Um, and I've looking back in my adulthood, I've realized that that really informed a lot of who I am and was, um, it's like, Oh, you have to be the loudest to be hurt. Um, you gotta have the, the best idea to be like worthy of talking, you know? Right. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, being in a, in a really, really healthy family, praise God. Um, I, I, it's, it's ironic that like most of my issues if you know that i had to kind of work through and then you know would still say i'm working through right um were the result of being in a big community but then like a lot of my story you're going to see is answered by being in a really healthy big community it's ironic kind of how that works Hmm. um but uh but yeah i mean what, what brought me to lu my older sister my eldest sister excuse me um, went to LU. Uh, she's 10 years older than me. Um, I remember moving her in. I'm like a snot-nosed 10-year-old uh, and um, <laughs> like just super snarky. And I just like, I was like, this place is a dump. Like, I, <laughs> like we, we live two, you know, two miles from William & Mary. Um, uh, we went downtown and it was like just rough. I was like, I don't know why you're going here. And she lived in dorm one, literally. Like it was just a shoebox. <laughs> Um, and I just, you know, as a 10 year old, you don't have the concept. You're just like making fun of your sister. Um, but in those 10 years, like the school erupted. Um, I actually had a couple teachers in high school that went to OU, um, that like were big impacts on my life in high school, like in a public school, they, they, they really did a good job of mentoring students. And so, um, I had some like faces in front of me that I was like, man, if I'm half the men of you know these guys like i'll go to that school kind of thing um and uh you know so that that, that's what kind of got me there in the first place um and uh man like week one i i realized i was supposed to be there because you know similar to to you guys with me um i i had a dear friend and my ra at the time john rarick um who just like showed me what it was like to be a man, showed me what it was like to be vulnerable, showed me what it was like to be vulnerable in community. So like I said, a lot of my like um, doubts and fears and insecurities were kind of the result of being in a mass of people and feeling like you had to earn your spot at the table. And then to have a dude come along me and uh, you know teach me that that's not how you get to the table. That's not where worth comes from. Um, but because you have worth, you're welcome at the table. Um, really, really changed my, my understanding of the world and who I was and what's valuable. And, um, you know, ever since then, I have not really given a rip about certain things and given, <laughs> and given too much, you know, in the world's eyes. Like, I care way too much about other things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, my, my undergrad experience at OU was dope. Um, I studied social science. I was going to be a teacher. Like, I went to through all of my licensure program and realized like, I don't want to be a teacher. Um, I want to teach, but not history and government. And, but I was already like there. So, you know, kind of knocked that out. 
And I, the way I looked at it, I was like, all right, cool. If I, if I ever need, if I'm ever in a pinch, I can, I can tutor someone. I can go get a job at a private school, like on the fly, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so by no means was that a waste. And as I've learned in my student of history, it goes a long way just to understand people and, and stories and that kind of thing. Right. Um, but yeah, that's what got me to OU. And I have kind of been here ever since. Um, <laughs> I, I knocked out my, my undergrad uh, as a four and a half year program with the licensure I did in three and a half. Um, and then I jumped into, into seminary at Liberty in the School of Divinity. Um, and I, as of June, uh, like the first week of June, this summer, I am done with my Master's of Divinity and Biblical Studies. Um, wow, congrats. So I, Thanks, dude. So I have been a professional student for eight years. Um, <laughs> I've got awesome. a, I've got a 145 credit undergrad and a 93 credit master's. <laughs> um, and I am so excited to not have to do schoolwork. <laughs> right yeah, now. no kidding. My goodness. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, but uh, my wife is a, is actually a resident director for Liberty, which is uh, kind of what's kept us around here as well outside of me being in grad school. So um, my, my relationship with the school is obviously very different. It's now like not the center of my life. Um, it's just an aspect of that. But yeah, man, that, that's kind of how, that's the, the, the flyover of how we got to where we are today. Yeah. I think a common theme that we see with a lot of like, at least like our friend group, and I'm probably going to rattle off a bunch of names that only mean anything to us three talking here. So you can cut this out for anyone listening but I know like talking with David and you know, I'm sure John Merrick had it too and Brandon talked to you early about how you were a big influence in his life but um, I know you poured a lot into Matt Applegarth in the same way and he mm-hmm. bikes you know what you were to Brandon and to him kind of Matt was the same Matt was probably the most influential person yeah. in my life and for you know, sure I- I've told him as much before but I don't think anybody's changed my life for the better um, more than Matt has, and yeah. I guess by the associative property, uh, I have you to thank for that, and then John and whoever's before him. Um, yeah. But I think that's a common theme you see with everybody is they had a strong, you know, wh- whatever you want to call it, mentor, discipleship partner, whatever you want to call it, is, you know, we don't grow in isolation. Yeah, no, by, by no means. Um, and we should be standing on the shoulders of those who came before us, um, whether that's super close to like i mean that's like six years of, of, a, of a period at lu from john to me to matt to you yeah. um but i mean that's what parenting should be we like um i had a cool moment with my dad like two weeks ago where you know we're talking about what i do for a living and and, and hey i just got a raise and i'm making this much and he's like dude you know my dad wasn't my dad's a wicked smart man smarter than i am but never pursued school he was kind of a a dud when he was a young man um he was like i was 46 the first time i started making that much money and he like was kind of beating himself up and i was like dude i don't know what you're talking about you should feel so proud that because you busted your butt your son at 26 is making what you were making at 46 um so that principle is like true for a lot of things um but yeah as i think back through college like I think who I was around was as much like it was just as important as what I was learning in a classroom, if not more. 
because information is out there. You know, if this was 40 years ago, I would not have been able to open a book because I wouldn't have known where to get the book. And I didn't have a library card, you know, um, <laughs> but with information everywhere, like information is, a, is an easy part of school. Um, but who you're around, who's influencing you is crucial for sure. Man, yeah, that's such a, a important and key thing that I think people don't even realize. Like the five people you're around the most pour so much and have so much influence in your life. So like legit having good friends impacts you more than you think. Like you can think you're the one impacting them, but like look around and see who you're around with and you're probably acting pretty similar to the people around you because they just have a, a natural influence on your life. Mm-hmm. No, for yeah. sure. Say, so I don't, once again, sorry, I say, I'll, for reference, Chris, there's a lot of times where I say things and I preface it to Brandon, which is scrub this if it comes out the wrong way because I have no idea the way things are going to come off. Uh-huh. Uh, but don't want this to come out the wrong way, but I was talking with a buddy of mine here um, and he runs a small business. You know, I'm, you and I haven't kept up. I kind of run a couple things as well yeah. that I started after school. But I was like taking inventory and between January of 2021 and now it's been seven months later, you know, kind of same deal. I make double what I made six months ago, seven months ago. Let's go. And if I trace it all back, it's because I got invited back in January to once a month meet with a group of five guys who run all run their own small businesses. And we just talk about, Hey, what are our problems? What's our strategies? How can we help each other grow? What are we doing? And just, if I trace everything back, that was like the pivotal moment is I just, I saw growth in the business sense as soon as I got into a group of people who were trying to point their life or at least one aspect of their life in the same direction and help each other towards that goal. And I think we see the same, you know, I think that can apply to basically everything for better or for worse. I think that there's a lot of my friends who are wasting a lot of their lives, you know, partying and sleeping around, not because they've expressly gotten in groups of people where that was the goal, but it was almost subconsciously understood that, Hey, this is the direction of our lives that we want to point in by virtue of the places we go, the things we do and the people we hang out with. Um, And so I think that can cut both ways, but essentially, you know, I'm sure you follow like Jonathan Pecluder or whatever, what he always says yeah. is, you know, your playmates and your playground will dictate the majority of your life. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's absolutely right. That I think you, it's very tough to be in a place with certain people and not start to move in their direction, whatever direction that might be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. So I have a question kind of about RA stuff because I mean, obviously you get paid to be an RA like most schools, but Liberty had an interesting and different sort of mentality or I guess responsibility when it came to being an RA. Sure. So I'm just kind of curious of like, obviously there's the money side of it, but why did you decide and choose to be an RA? Because that came with a lot of responsibility for uh, not only just administration, but spiritual stuff over uh, 40 or more guys on a hall. Sure. And I'll add, I don't envy some of the things you had to put up with that year. <laughs> yeah. From oh, us or from some other people. Sure. Yeah. Sure. No, I hear you. Um, no, yeah. Um, uh, you know, I'll be frank. Uh, it's the way now the school's restructured a little bit, but it was very similar in terms of, you know, a resident assistant at the time then as well. Um, you, I got paid for admin. Um, my, my, my job 
of moving, uh, room requests, um, maintenance, um, move outs, white gloves, etc. Like that was what paid the eighteen thousand dollars in scholarships, and I was aware of that. Right, I was like, I've got a yeah. job to do, and that's what I get paid for. Um, and I say that just to say, like, no one got paid for ministry. It was yeah. like encouraged um, at a Christian university, like you would hope it's expected. Um, but by no means is it. And, you know, I'm not trying to sit here and toot my own horn. I, yeah. I followed the model of, you know, what I saw and who I wanted to be. But um, that's why some people are like, dude, Mari sucked. That guy, like he, he didn't care about the hall. He just, you know, did his job hung out with this girl all the time or you know fill in the blank right um so i viewed i view the responsibilities one as a way to help me you know eighteen thousand dollars a year in scholarships um because i would go home and work two full-time jobs during the summer to pay for school um and so that was a huge aid practically um but as you guys are sitting here and as our testimonies to it like doing those jobs and having that role earn the spot for me to speak into things um some of it's oh okay like there's weed and and guns on the hall that aren't supposed to be <laughs> like well this really isn't like the conversation i wanted to have kumbaya let's hold hands and talk about jesus but i also had the let's hold hands kumbaya and talk about jesus so that that was worth it for me for sure um and i mean dude all of that was extra that was fight clubs uh, a lot of the rhlm stuff um like the that framework was not required by any means so it was more just leveraging a position which if you guys remember like end of the, or, you know the two white gloves at the end of the semester you know i started the semester by sharing my stories who i am i'm an open book my door's always open and i meant that and then i walk in and it's all right it's time to be the boss of this you know these 60 dudes and I've got an hour's worth of con- like of rules and regulations and procedures to explain. So when I come into your room to do your white glove check, like that's what I'm getting paid. I don't give a rip about your story. <laughs> like I, 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 I give a rip about your story every other every other moment of the school year, except when I walk in to do your white gloves. I don't care how close we are. I failed Matt his uh his junior year you know what i'm saying i was like <laughs> him and david brennan on commons too couldn't get their ish together so it was like hey we're gonna do this tomorrow because you guys are just i don't know what you're doing and they're like some of like my people you know what I'm yeah saying? yeah right so that that was kind of how i viewed it um was it's an opportunity to get paid and then to earn the right with some people who were willing to to go deeper and you know like i said you guys are definitely evidence of that so that's helpful yeah, love that. All right, might be a little early to ask this, but we there's one question we ask whenever we have like a guest on, if you will, and it's you know looking back, I guess the point of this podcast is you know Brandon and I are you know 24 and 23 respectively, yep. no idea what we're doing with our lives. Um, <laughs> well, <and> so <laughs> certain aspects of our lives are going better or more according to plan than others sure. but uh where you know at the age of 18 you know just starting college just finishing or just finishing up high school where did you think you'd be at the age you're at now and you know how is it different uh yeah um so 18 year old me was super cocky and prideful so i was probably <laughs> you know no i'm just kidding um uh, so yeah so i'm you know, 26 uh, you know, i'll be 27 in october 
I did probably think I was going to be married by this age. Uh, I don't know if that was just my perception of going to a Christian school or if that was pride <laughs> or cockiness, you know, whatever. Um, but I did not think that I would be running a restaurant still. Um, I didn't think I'd be in set, like I've done seminary um, by any means. Um, uh, what, what was the question? What, what's <laughs> different? <laughs> well, when you were 18, where did, so you're 26 now, almost yeah, 27. Yeah, yeah. Where did you think, yeah, when you were 18, where did you think you would be or give it your best guess? It's hard to it's like, that far back. How different is it? And maybe just talk through yourself yeah. evaluating that. You no, know, I follow. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I thought I was going to be a high school history and government teacher, like that cool guy that taught the AP class and, <laughs> and like coach tennis on the side. Um, and I thought that was going to be my life and married or not, I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't sure, but I was like, Oh, that, like, that's what you'll be when you're 26. And, uh, my profession is different. My schooling is very different. I didn't think I'd still be in Lynchburg. And, uh, I think just like the, the caricature of who I thought I would be, you know, as you look like, this is the man I want to be. Um, I like by no means am that. And I'm like kind of happy. I got, and there's not like one reason for that, but like, it, I mean, it's said that it's so cliche, but like the story to get from then to here has been way better than like, if I could just boom in 10 years, this is where I'll be. So, so yeah, um, a, a lot of that is very different. Um, I'm not married near like at all to the type of girl I thought I would be. Um, and that goes both ways. Hannah, like I'm not I wasn't her type if you will um, <laughs> so like that's different so yeah a, a, a lot um, a lot of like practical things um, like who because I think at 18 my perception of a 26 year old is like what they do what they look like where they work like that was my understanding of what made of a person and I really don't give a rip about what I do now. Like, I care way more about who I am. So it's just funny that that's what 18-year-old me would have thought, you know, a good 26-year-old was. And so. that's good. For those who don't know, and also I'm curious about the first – I'm just personally curious about the first half of this question. Who did you think – like, what, what was the type of girl you thought you'd end up with? And then maybe just describe <laughs> Hannah for anybody who sure, doesn't know Sure, yeah. yeah. Where, I mean, where is she? Is she, yeah, she, is she around? I mean, Oh yeah, she's she's. I got the office door closed. She can probably hear me because I'm loud. Um, <laughs> but I mean, we we laugh about this all the time. Like, and it's as we're, you know, mentoring couple couples that are dating or, or freshly married or whatever. Like, we're very open about this. You know, I thought I was gonna be married to the little like dainty, hundred and ten pound like super artsy hipster girl. What? Um, and, and like my wife is. Five five is a solid curvy girl and is like the biggest personality oh, strong, yeah. like strong leader um isn't like dainty isn't there's nothing dainty like personality <laughs> her, her volume uh, and i like wouldn't want it any other way so i'm like not talking crap you guys um, are like just, the same then yeah we're but like i but bro like i wake up like this and I go to bed like this, and I and I run on six hours of sleep like this all the time. So if I didn't have someone like this, I would just steamroll them. Like my mom all the time is like, Christopher, you're too. My parents are intense in different ways, and I like got both of their intensities. It's like 
my dad's a workhorse and my mom is like just mentally like just, she just keeps going and I like have both of that and if I didn't have a, a like dominant leader of a, w- a wife like I'd be a mess because I need someone to like rein me in you feel like yeah yeah when I when I need it uh and she thought she was going to be uh, you know married to some dark featured tall quiet guy who was in the military that <laughs> like because her parents were military. I don't know about the quiet part. Maybe because she intimidated a lot of guys. Or she, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, and so it's just funny. Like, we make so much sense. But, like, neither of it. Like, the, and not even looks, right? Like, looks are a part of it. But, like, who she is is not who I thought I'd be attracted to. But, like, that type of woman, I'm like, oh, honey. Like, you're a girl. <laughs> I need a woman, you know, like, uh, you know not to say you can't be small and dainty and be a woman, but like the ones I brush elbows with, like, no, nah, they're not cutting it. So, you know. Oh man, that's good. Yeah. yeah. I guess in that vein, I think, I mean, in your twenties, you know, one of the, I think kind of like the three things that you're navigating are like the three F's faith, family, and finances. Just pulled that Southern Baptist gem out right there. It is. Um, you know, what would you say in terms of like, I guess, family or like dating relationships, you know, having, you've counseled a ton of guys I know from personal experience. Yeah. Um, what would you say are some of the major mistakes and then like the things that you think guys do right or the things to do right that you're seeing in, you know, guys or girls in their twenties when it comes to finding someone to date. And I know Liberty just kind of has its own weird dating culture, Sure. No, uh, no. but I guess both inside and outside of that. Yeah, no, I mean, and it's, I, I, I manage a restaurant and I primarily am in the kitchen now and I'm rubbing shoulders with rough and tumble dudes that have no faith whatsoever. And I'm like still giving them like advice and it's, it's a lot more pragmatic, but um, I think that God's way is, is the best way. So like you can speak into a- anywhere if you will. So um, yeah, I mean, some of the mistakes, um, I mean like fr- first things first, like, when everyone's like when the rubber meets the road everyone says that they want to be like married to their best friend but then like most people don't date their best friend like you know what i mean like when i'm 65 and looks are gone and you know if i'm 80 and like i'm probably not working anymore so it doesn't really matter what my finances are like uh, i'm gonna you know pass it to my kids at that point if i'm not in a good spot and that's that's sarcasm um <laughs> but but like i want you want to look over and see like your best friend and when like stuff hits the fan like you want to see your best friend um so that's kind of the first thing you know people chase after whatever thing they want and it's typically not friendship uh, man <laughs> she's super hot she's exciting she's got life together she's got a cool family uh, she had a cool car fill in the blank with whatever right um but like are you friends um because that's gonna keep going so uh i mean that's one thing for sure um i I think across the board a mistake a lot of people make and this is again across the board whether you're a christ follower or not whether you have no faith whatsoever um you know getting in dating right getting too physical too fast just like puts up blinders because you are, you will ignore red flags because you got green lights in other places. Um, and so for anyone, like, 
I'm not going to sit here and tell you what to do, what your boundaries need to be, where that line is, et cetera. Um, but I know a lot of people that have been with the wrong person for way too long um, because this like physical thing on the side is like pretty good. Um, and I'm not, I don't, I'm, uh, my life is way too important and my time is way too valuable to mess around with nonsense like that. Um, because ironically, the best physical relationships are in healthy marriages. Like that is proven by uh, a psychologist. Like that's the best sex life is in a committed, trusting marriage. So like, I don't care how good that girl at the club looks like. Me and my vanilla wife, you know, like, <laughs> like some people, some people would say like my basic life, like we're doing great. You know what I'm saying? So it's just interesting, like what the perception is, what our culture tells us and what reality really is. Mm. Um, so yeah, that, that's a mistake. Um, I think that that's all I got on that. Taking it back to a little bit of college and then just now, what would be the biggest thing you say you'd learned from college aside from academics? And then like, how is that maybe applied to life now? Yeah. Um, I remember, I don't know what the, what sparked it, but like my sophomore year of undergrad, I just like a light went off and I was like, man, my life is only going to get harder. Like, my mm. life is only going to get busier, to use that word, right? Like, my yeah. plate is only going to get more full. And how, like, how many, you know, I guess because we run a restaurant, there's, like, a revolving door of students that, you know, come in to serve and host and whatever. And, like, I just hear them act like their life is consumed with biology. <laughs> and, I'm not, <laughs> and I'm not knocking any profession any any degree like that but like you're gonna be hopefully a spouse one day uh, a parent um a, you need to be a good neighbor a decent citizen um uh you know if you have kids a great intentional parent um if you have faith a committed church member like <laughs> um you're like my little college dream and work and schedule like is only going to get like harder and more full. And like, if you think you're on at 22, Oh, like I just like my, like my little startup business is like, I, it's all, it hinges on me. And like, Oh man, like my, you know, my parents, like they're a mess and I'm like helping them in their marriage. Like there's you're like only going to have more on you and you're only ever going to have to be on more. Like when my little girl comes in November, I'm on all the time. Yeah. Like once, once you're a parent, there's no like, ah, cool. I was a great boss today. And I like walk in the door and can just turn, like do what I want to do for, for four hours now. I'm like, wow, I was a great boss today. And now I have to come home and be a better dad. And that's like my life and what I'm doing. But that, I think, will help get anyone, like, get your head out of the sand. Because whatever you're pursuing, whatever your goals are, like, you're only going to have more on you. And this isn't the hardest it gets. So, like, learn to manage it. Like, and I think that helps with anxiety and scheduling and, like, all prioritizing things. Like, all of that. Um, at, like, kind of the macro level, if that makes sense. No. So. What would, one thing you said earlier, um, 
was, you know, from 18 to 26, what like a major transition was, it was less about, you know, what you do, what you look like, your accomplishments and more about like who you are. Um, was that a slow growth process? I assume it was, but was there a defining moment? What are steps people can take? Cause I know it's definitely in default mode, whether it's just personality or just the way I was raised. I think it's easy for me to somewhat gauge worth yeah. as well by, you know, how much I'm making, who I'm around, what I, you know, you know how much guys want to be me or girls want to be with me, if you will. Sure. Um, and I think that's an easy default that a lot of people fall into as well. And how would you say that transition occurred? Uh, yeah, uh, it's definitely the easy and like natural place that we all drift to. Um, so I'm by all means still learning it. Um, the, the, the breakthrough moment that then like I had to keep learning after I learned it, right, was, and you guys have heard this, the difference between role and identity. Um, you know, a, a role is something you do. It's temporary. It's often uh, earned. Um, and, and so a lot of things can be a role. Um, you know, uh, supervisor at work, dean's list, uh, you know, fill in the blank, you know, uh, state athlete. And we oftentimes look for worth through those roles. What did two men do at a, you know, at a, at a casual dinner party? Hey, Steve, what do you do for a living? And whatever Steve says, like, I'm now going to attribute worth to based on its standing in our culture. Um, oh, S Steve's a lawyer. He must, yeah, he must have it all together. Um, oh, but Jim is a mechanic. Uh, okay. Like dirty job, but you know, you can still make decent money there. You know, you're not Jim, but like Steve or whatever name I'm using. <laughs> um, you, you're not a lawyer, but like, okay. Like that's not too bad. Oh, you run a Taco Bell. Oh, okay, cool. And we, and we ascribe worth and value to people based on a role. Um, and that lawyer could be a drunk and a terrible dad and cheating on his wife. And, like, we don't know, right? It's like, right, just right. the lawyer is the one that defines him. So then you have to you have to turn that coin and say, okay, then, like, what's identity? Because um, if a role is temporary, an identity has to be deeper and, and, and richer and, and longer lasting. Um, it, it, it's typically not earned. It, um, I, I, would, I would argue it's given. <laughs> Um, by God. Um, and so that, that like lesson of understanding my role and my identity, um, that because I, you know, am, am a child of God, uh, I have value. Then I can go and work not to earn value, but because I already have it. Right. Um, and I had to like keep kind of learning that. Yeah. You know, like my little, my little Lucy is not going to really give a rip about what daddy does. Um, she's going to care about the type of dad I am, uh, how much time I'm there. She won't have a concept of money until, like, she's a snotty high schooler, you know? Um, and she, like, knows what a nice car is. And so that that is, the like, the elementary lesson that then I have to keep coming back to. So something that Hannah and I do often uh, as an exercise is um, pick a point in your life that's coming up and, and talk about, who you want to be by that point. So before, like now, now it's, I'm going to be a dad. So that's like you know, the consuming conversation. But before that it was all right. Like I'm 26. She just turned 27. Like when we're 30, 
who do we want to be? And like, what characteristics is that person marked by? Not what do I want to do? Not what, you know, money in the bank, et cetera. Like, oh, you want to be a person that like has some freedom. Um, and so, okay, like work needs to be able to provide freedom. And I probably need to make a decent bit of money so that we can travel if that's, if that's the thing, right? Um, and, and kind of connecting, like building on who you want to be rather than what you want to do. Um, and that, that can go into so many things. Hey, like I'm not a patient man right now. So like, and I don't want to be an impatient father. So like I am working really hard on being patient. (laughs) Um, you know, Mm -hmm. so you can kind of filter a lot of things in your life through that. So just, just, you know, just have the end in mind, right? Like what, what is the goal I'm working towards? Um, what is actually important? And that's why, like, there's all these movies that no one watches because they're all about the same story, right? Like, rich, rich young man goes away and squanders his family and makes all this money, and then mom gets cancer or something, and you know, like, he comes back to the farm, Brandon, right? And it's like, <laughs> oh, I, I missed, I missed all of this life, and my little cousin grew up, and it's like, how many times does our culture have to tell us this before we actually start believing it? Um, Wow. So yeah, that, that's kind of how I, I've come to this conclusion. And dude, there's so much freedom there. There is so much freedom when value doesn't come by what you do. Because today, I had two people out sick at the restaurant. So rather than managing a property and, and a people and products, like what my team needed was for me to wash dishes for 45 minutes <laughs> as, a, as a salary, to, you know, assistant general, assistant general manager. And I can do that freely, not because, oh, well, I'm still making the same amount of money. No, like, I am getting to help them because they're, like, they're my team. And this isn't, a hin- like, this isn't what defines me. So I'm free to wash dishes for 45 minutes and then resume my roles. Um, no job is beneath you. No person is beneath you um, if you kind of have that understanding. So... Yeah, man. I was on man, that's good. a phone call. I was on a phone call probably about a month ago. Not sure if you are. He's kind of under the radar. His name's Noah Kagan. He I'm runs a company. Okay, he runs a company. He's probably worth like $50 million or so. And he said his job is a CEO. He's like, my full-time job is just asking my employees how I can make their lives better. Yeah. And this is a guy who, you know, when you think of a CEO, it's, you know, the boss, you know, telling other people what to do, ordering their lives around. And really, he's like, He's more from a financial business perspective, more successful than probably anybody, you know, will ever meet. And he yeah. says, yeah, like my full-time job is asking my employees who, you know, might be making 20 bucks an hour, you know, how can I make your job and your life easier? Yeah. He's not the dude that like cut his salary to give his people like more time off than they bought on a Tesla. He's not that guy, is he? No, he's not. I think I remember reading what you were talking about, but I know okay. there's been a handful of, you know, the guys at yeah. Robinhood actually did that. I think they yeah. dropped theirs to like 30 yeah. grand. So that's kind of been a trend lately. So maybe he did do it, but I uh, know yeah. he, he's not the guy that uh, I got gotcha. you. That one article or whatever it was about. And someone who's just since we're here is a is a has been a student of that leadership style for like a long time. Who's been producing content is Gary V. Gary, Gary V. Um, I mean, if you're not aware of him, like that, you, you, listeners, you got to go find him. Brandon, um, are you? I actually haven't heard of him. Yeah, Vaynerchuk Media, man. He, I mean, he is the CEO, like, is the epitome of 
um, like a guy who just gets it. I mean, like he's he's rough and tumbly, super crude, um, wears his emotions on his on his sleeve. Um, but uh, yeah, he he's like, hey, the problem is me. Like sure. I am the problem in my business all the time, always. Um, so let's fix me all the time, always. So, man. His garage sale videos get me going. It's <laughs> like baseball cards and yeah, yeah. dude, I yeah. love it. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I miss being around you, Chris. Because I mean, the way you live your life and the way you have—I mean, you just have so much wisdom. And when people are around you, I can imagine they just are better people because you're around them. Mm-hmm. Like you have that impact, you have that mindset, you have that maturity beyond your years. And people just need to glean off of you. Like, we could have you on podcast after podcast because, like, you – God, you know, you just – great. I, I love hearing about what's going on in your life and, and just all the wisdom, little nuggets that you have for us. Like, I'm learning so much just through this conversation. <laughs> Praise God, dude. I mean, I am, by all intents and purposes, just a bad ripoff of the 50 to 75 people who have changed my life, you know. Um, and and what a what a good – you know, a good repertoire to, to put out. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, like, like I said earlier, like who I am has been defined and changed by community. And so like, as I, I, you know, I made like a bulleted, like, Oh, they brought up some topics. So let me think about this. I'm just thinking like, man, I don't even remember like what book this came from or what guy in my life said this to me. Like I can't even reference them. Cause there's been so many right. that have like changed my narrative, you know? Um, but, uh, do that. Like, thank you again. It's so encouraging. I guess another question I have thinking back to, you know, like from our twenties, basically, and I'm sure this is like a going, this isn't unique to your twenties, but maybe it's the first time that you have to make this decision is, you know, you're fresh out of college and let's say, you know, you happen to get married, stay to get your master's, but for the first time, for the most part, you can, you know, the world is open in the sense that there's extremely little structure. Where am I going to live? What am I going to do? What advice would you have for somebody who just graduated Liberty or I guess any college? And, you know, I'm 22. I don't know where I want to live, what I want to do. I guess I'm even asking selfishly because I'm hoping within the next before end of the year to be going full self-employed. And that means you know, I can live wherever, do whatever. And that's a double-edged sort of sure. so much freedom, but okay. Like, how do I know if this is, the wise choice um, yeah. not necessarily the right choice but yeah you know, what would you say if someone is trying to like figure out their life what to do with it what's the best way to go about making those decisions yeah so to that you know 22 year old you know fresh out of college looking to move or um just just take that next step out of your parents house or whatever um i mean just a, a couple of things that i've learned in, in my experience i think the first is like don't make that next decision uh, from a, a place of fear Th- that that can come in many varieties and many packages for each person. So, um, you know, to, to UKC, like end of year, your fears will be different than someone else, right? You've got some, some work lined up. So your fears might be not financial. It might be uh, finding community or meeting a girl or, you know, the weather, fill in the blank, you know, I'm family, right? Um, but don't, I mean, your whole life's ahead of you, so don't let fear cripple you. And fear fear cripples us in a lot of ways. Um, so that's, you know, kind of the first thing. Um, I, I think second thing, ask yourself what you really value, um, what you're looking for. So, okay, if you're, if you're 
single and loose and no ties anywhere. And, um, but like family is super valuable to you. Um, then like you got to factor that in, right? Like grandma's getting old, uh, you know, as an example. Um, and, and you might not have any family or you don't like your family. So family doesn't matter. Um, but what does matter to you and factor that in for sure. But, uh, man, it was so helpful for me to have friends like legit friends can go grab a beer with them that are like not my age and are not my family. Um, so on this topic, like I just remember, you know, my, my buddy Sig Siler, you know, he's, he's got kids older than I am, right? He's in his early he's 62 professor at LU's medical school. I know him through church. He's like a buddy, right? And you sit down with someone that's, not 22 and 26 and you hear their story and because they're fam- not family you actually listen right because when your uncle talks to you <laughs> you don't really listen <laughs> you know what i'm saying right, like right. dad what do you know you were never my, you know the world was different. <laughs> but when it's like your boy sig and you're you know at, at his house hanging out like it, it hits different mm-hmm. so i mean he just he shares his story and he's like yeah so i you know i did this and um lived here and and you know, for, for eight years. And then, uh, you know, after medical school, moved here, had my own practice, like with a partner, we're there for 22 years, felt God calling us elsewhere. Um, so when, you know, when I'm 47, we packed up and moved the fam and I'm like, hold on. You like had the schooling, had the job, had the like time and tenure community. Like, what do you mean? You just got up and moved at 47, right? Like, that's like you're in your prime. Yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like yeah, like we, like you do that next thing and you figure it out, you find your community, you, um, you know, your kids grow and we, we've been, you know, we had one more move and then we got to Lynchburg and that's our story. And uh, I know, at least for me, even at 26, you know, it's a lot, let alone 22. There's this narrative that I have to figure my life out real quick. There's this narrative that I'm going to get stuck doing something. Um, there's this, you know, all, all of these things, like these fears that I have that you take a deep breath when a 61-year-old, 62-year-old is like, yeah, I was there for 22 years. And then, like, we just went <laughs> up and moved. And you're like, what? But it's not like looking back on his story, it wasn't that big of a deal. So just know when you're 47, your move at 22 is not that big of a deal. When you're 67, your move at 22 is really not that big of a deal. Uh, I'll, I'll be frank. So there's some grace. There's some growth that you can have um, in that. Uh, and then lastly, you know, man, this is just like decision-making in general. Uh, man, the owner of the restaurant I work at, he gives this to me all the time. Um, it's, it's just an acronym um, for when not to make decisions. Um, it's, it's halt, uh, H A L T like halt, stop walking. Right. Um, and it's, you know, I'm sure you've heard this. It's if you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, um, like that's not the right time to make a decision. So if you at 22 find yourself just beat down and wore out of school, like probably not the right time to make this jump. Like may, maybe you need to like go be with some fam or, or like keep that part-time job for that summer to like have the right mindset for when you make that jump. If you're lonely and you think that this next city or next job is going to fix all your problems, it's not. 
So like, don't make a move based on being lonely. You, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Um, that that like in any moment is helpful. Let alone like a big <clears throat> life change. Right. Um, yeah. It's so easy to make a, a quick, hasty decision when you're caught up in the emotions and you just don't you don't think straight. So I think it's just sitting back and waiting until you're in the right mindset, like you said, yeah. to make that that because it there that is a big decision. And you don't want to just do it based off of any emotion, you know, it's just, it can be dangerous. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and nowadays, like the world is your oyster. You can research a place and a job before you even go there. Oh, yeah. Whereas it, you know, it used to be like, wow, I thought the city was popping. It's not, or, you know, you, like you're going to be less surprised if you will, practically about some of the things in a move. So, um, so yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I have any other big questions for you, Chris. I mean, what more can we there's so much more we could get from you but like uh, I'm still soaking it all in I don't got anything else yeah um, so we'll want you back on for sure for, if there's like a topic for sure yeah no I you know I would love that for sure um, I, I kind of I just have like one more thing I think that is, is helpful um, yeah. that I'll just kind of wax eloquently on um, I kind of sat down and thought like okay if it comes up what do I want to what's been the biggest things I've learned and you know, it, it changes in seasons of life in school, out of school, um, in a job, marriage, single, et cetera. But it's something that I think you guys experienced when we lived, you know, in very close proximity. Um, it, it is being like willing and prepared to live an interruptible life is, is so important. I talked, you know, previously about how life is only going to get busier. There's going to be more on your plate. Um, and so I, I do all that I can to be really diligent with what is on that plate. Mm. So that when life is unplanned and, and chaotic and, in, and interrupting, because it's going to happen, um, I, I, I've checked enough boxes. I, I'm prepared enough to be flexible for people, for situations, you know, et cetera. I can't take credit. I, I've had to learn this the hard way, but, you know, I've, my salary is minimum based on 45 hours a week. So I'm minimum work 45 hours a week. Um, I did residential full-time grad school at the same time, um, spent time with my wife, and I, you know, committed church member on, on the leadership team, making one, one of the four sermons a month I was producing, right? Yeah. And... I didn't know this till after the fact, you know, my, my siblings just kind of shared this on vacation, but when they call, I answer and, you know, they, they never feel like Christopher doesn't have time for me. Praise God. Cause I don't have time for them. <laughs> and, and oftentimes it's just some of my sisters being needy and, you know, wanting to just talk. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, it made me so happy. Like, honestly, I was like proud of myself that when, you know, my siblings and family call, they never feel like they're a bother. Yeah. Um, and man, how many people, whether it's your best friend who's in a tough spot, your cousin that, you know, is lonely, your neighbor that, you know, is suicidal, or fill in the blank with the crazy stuff that's going to happen to you guys in your life. Man, do I want to be able to interrupt my life for those people? Because people matter way more than the other crap we're doing, you know? Um, and so that's something I'm still learning this, you know, 
this little girl comes and my life will morph and change and I will and I'll have to learn how to be interruptible with a newborn, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, no kidding, middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, but like that is just so important to learn in your 20s that you don't want to be that like hyper rigid, irritable 45-year-old. Yeah. And you all know someone that is coming to mind. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like don't do that. Like learn now and like think about who you want to be not who you what you want to do and make efforts to be that person um, yeah if, if you're if you're not interruptible now you won't be then um so it's it's a good it's a good thing to ponder and, and, and work on so. yeah dude i'm i'm full-on learning that right now honestly like there are so many interruptions throughout my days of getting phone calls or just like odd jobs you have to do in the farm and like I it's something I struggle to handle with because I usually go into the day with some sort of plan and then when I don't get to do what I want it to do because of interruptions like it frazzles me yeah and so I'm it's a learning curve to understand that it's it's about priorities and most important it's about people and if people need you if people need to talk to you like that comes first and the job can can sit for another day so it's definitely not easy but it's something I'm learning and I'm glad you brought that up because that's that's huge yeah, when I when I think back to one of the times in my life that I felt like the most loved, uh, to bring up Matt again, somebody that you poured into a lot and then he poured into me was uh, probably two two and a half years ago. I just got dumped like the weekend before White Gloves, <laughs> and it was near East Campus. I walked over to like his dorm while he was doing like I know he had so much going on, and he just saw me and was like, "Get in the car!" and like took me out to like the Wendy's drive through and like went back to my and Brandon's apartment. We were just like, he was there just like chatting during the night, just kind of like watched a movie or whatever. And it's like, I know when he got back that night, he had so much he had to do. And like, I was an extreme inconvenience to him during that time. Um, but just thinking that, you know, he was willing to be interrupted to give up everything that he had to do to you know, help somebody yeah, you know, who needed it at that time. Yeah. Um, and that meant, you know, if I think like literally if I'm kind of top three times in my life, I think I felt the most loved. Ironically, it was like the day I got dumped, I'd never felt more loved just by somebody else. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, like, that's beautiful to hear. Uh, and, and then the, the, the dark side of the moon, if you will, is what happens if Matt always lived his life where every person was important like he he wouldn't do anything well so there's like a fine line of sure i'm I'm gonna do what i can control so when the uncontrollable comes i'm ready like nope i know that i have time to spend with casey no problem at all like and i'm not lying to you i'm not neglecting stuff and even if i am i know i can get away with it right like um and so it it is a it's a balancing act for sure yeah Um, but we know it's coming like we just don't know when and how and you know but like might as well be prepared for it (laughs) Um, yeah that's so good yeah Uh, we just thank you so much chris for hopping on with us you shared some awesome fire wisdom like i'm gonna probably because i'm gonna need to hear it again because it's awesome we're just thankful for your leadership especially uh back at liberty and just kind of giving us more foundation for our faith and I'm just grateful for that and grateful for the man that you are. Such a good friend to have. It's been a pleasure uh, that I've 
been very humbled by. So thank you. Yeah. Cool, cool. That is all we got for this episode of From Our 20s. We'll see you next time.